The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, hello, world, and welcome back to a Solid 7 Podcast, a better-than-average podcast, if I do say so myself. This, of course, is not a show about nothing, but it's also not a show about any one thing. Each week, I like to get together with a guest, talk about whatever is going on in the world that interests us. And this week, I am uh, pleased to welcome back our own resident author, entrepreneur, Latina, Alexandra yes. Rodriguez, welcome back. Thank you, thank you. It's so good to be back. What is this episode three or four that I've been on? I it's pretty nice. Do not remember. I've lost track. You have, of course, made a guest host appearance. Not many can say mm-hmm. that. Uh, and it went, you know, okay, okay. I mean, the jury's out. So I still think that was one of the coolest episodes you've done, but I'm biased. Yes. No, it was a fantastic episode. Now, was it, uh, we're of course talking uh, about uh, the episode with uh, Jeannie Tirado, world famous, I would say, uh, voice actress extraordinaire. And it was a good friend of yours and just a, a really fun episode. It was a bit of like an amateur podcaster miss that I didn't pull like the morning shock jack thing and be like, you know, Jeannie, while you're here, like, why not toss us like a quick, like, just a little, just a little solid seven intro, just a little like super buttery, like you're listening to the solid seven podcast, <laughs> you know? So that was, that was swinging a miss there, but a solid episode otherwise. So it was pretty great. Well, it was pretty great. we had to fight for this one tonight. So we're, we're going to get a little yeah. spicy here at the beginning. And, uh, you know, if we're going to properly get spicy, that of course requires, proper fuel. And there is no better fuel for anything really, let alone a a spicy start to a podcast than Jacko Go, which of course fuels the solid seven podcast as always. I've got a headset on, so I'm going to see if I can grab the sound of this. I'm just here. One sec. Nice. Nice. Very refreshing. Cheers, madam. Listeners can of course, as always, uh, you know, visit jackofuel.com, use our promo code solid seven S O L I D seven, uh, for 10% off some, uh, high quality, uh, fuel of their own. Nice. Now I can't see kale. What, um, flavor have you got? There? I'm back to watermelon tonight. I, I just, I used to have some solid go-tos. I say this all the time. It, it's a steady rotation. Now I can't pick a favorite, a lot of watermelon, a lot of tropic thunder, uh, a lot of pink lemonade, a lot of green a- apple, uh, sour green apple, hashtag JP Donnell, come on the podcast, sir. Um, <laughs> some orange still in the mix, and uh, they're just all uh, magically delicious. That's good. That's so. a different um, 
company tagline, but it's okay. Yeah. We can apply it here, I think. Yeah, but I mean, with them, it's it's puffery, which is an actual marketing term, puffery. It's those things people say that are just can't be verified in any way, shape, or form. So you can't bust them True. for saying it. Uh, you know, like world's best coffee. Um, but this this is not puffery. There, there is some dark magic going on in how good these things taste while not having any garbage in them for you. So I don't know what kind of wizard Brian Littlefield over at Jocko Fuel is, but there's there's some magic there. There's something something sneaky. Yeah, I've got the um got the mango flavored. It was a toss up between apple and mango. And I decided to go with mango today. So there's not bad. There's no there's no wrong wrong choices there. So well I, I would normally sometime around this point in the podcast uh, like I would, I would welcome our live listeners mm-hmm. from Riverside, our Patreon supporters who get to listen in live to recordings. Um, I can't do that right now because for the second week in a row, we're back to recording on FaceTime um, because the recording service that I'm paying good money for every month, once again... Uh, if I didn't already say this is Riverside, Riverside is who I'm talking about here. Um, Mm -hmm. Once again, had an unusable delay in the conversation. Um, I'm on the same computer that I was using for Riverside right now. You are on the same computer that you are using. FaceTime has no problem with this conversation. None whatsoever. I'm not even on an Apple computer, so. Uh, it also doesn't mind if uh, we run anything else while we're doing this. I can open other windows. I can open other programs. It will run just fine. Now, Riverside would prefer, um, one, it wants you to use uh, a Chrome-based browser, so either Chrome or Edge. Okay, Whatever. Fair enough. I do that. I use Chrome for it. I use Safari for just about everything else, but okay, I'll use Chrome for that. It would prefer that you, you really not be running any other, no other tabs open, nothing else open nope. on your machine. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll close everything. Um, I mean, does this MacBook Air with an M1 have like more computing power than the space shuttle? Sure it does. Sure it does. But okay. We don't want to gum up the works. Um, and in uh, Riverside, I was very excited to find it. I was very excited to try it out. I was very happy using it. Um, you know, for what I was paying for, I was getting video content that I wasn't using but could <laughs> for reels and such, transcriptions of the episodes, um, and something that was really cool that I really liked was letting Patreon listen in live while we record and chat with us, which I thought was a really cool perk for supporters. That was a fun feature. And then here, just really since about like episode 90, we've just had issues with it. My audio engineer, Art Pipok, um, I shout him out on the podcast all the time. I always mention him in the show notes um, because art's better than we deserve here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Art is a legitimate, accomplished audio professional. This isn't some, uh, you know, dude poking around on his computer in his mom's basement. Art works in this space. Art edits much larger podcasts for a very, very large multinational entertainment company that will remain unnamed that does things like produce television shows and movies and has big theme parks. Art knows what he's doing. 
and we've had issues with the audio files from Riverside lining up. So even if we could get a, a clean recording out of it, drop the files into to Pro Tools and the audio would get out of sync. Like there were changed bit rates or, or pitch changes or, or, or whatever. Um, it's it's just been uh, been glitchy. I want to throw out the caveat. Could be equipped. Now, nothing about my equipment has changed. I've I've tried to use the service with several users in several areas of the country, um, and there's there's just been challenges. It could be equipment. Um, Want to be sure, like uh, you know, I can't get sued here. So I'm just sharing um my experience recently with Riverside, but I reached out to them. I'm like, hey, I'm having these problems. Um, now I'm no art, but I've I've worked in like pro audio video in the past. I'm way out of practice and tech moves fast, but I, I have a better understanding than the average bear of some of these things. And they're like, oh, well, make sure your VPN's off and make sure extensions are turned off and make sure any kind of content blockers are off. Well, I'm certain my VPN is off because I don't have one. There's not a firewall issue. It's not an internet issue. You and I both ran speed test tonight. I was yeah. pulling down over 300 megs. I had 10 up, which is pretty standard for a consumer, unless you're lucky enough to have fiber or you're rich. Um, you know, you were pulling like 150, 160 down about, you know, a good. It, it wasn't, you know, it's, it's not the internet service. It's not whatever. Riverside, if you're listening, I'm pretty annoyed. Do you know anyone else who uses Riverside? We could ask them for um, notes. I, you know, I do. Uh, part of what turned me on to it was uh, Fran Richopi, who hosts the Jedberg podcast, who's been on here. Um, I know Fran uses it. Um, uh, some others. There's some big, big names that use it. Um, hmm. and so I wonder if they're also experiencing issues or if it's just you, it's probably just my luck. I would think maybe, maybe it's equipment because like I'm, I pass my audio through the zoom, uh, pod track, which is a piece of gear that I love. Um, but I, I kind of tend to think it's probably not that because it's the same setup I've used the whole time and mm -hmm. it hasn't been an issue. So hopefully we'll get it figured out in the meantime, I've I've got to make it up to Patreon somehow this week. I'll find some some bonus content to to share. Then we can we can figure out some bonus content. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we hit up Jeannie and uh, we can do like a whole <laughs> like voice only play with her for Patreon. We can act out my exchange with Riverside. Um, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Oh my gosh! So, so that's where we're at. So it's, you know, we started, I don't know what, 30 minutes late, 40 minutes late, 100%, uh, 100% lied to my adorable, darling little daughter Aww. because she was nowhere near. Now, regular listeners will know this. A lot of times I'm recording with guests pretty late in the evening. I would guess that it's for a podcast that has guests. I would guess that's pretty abnormal in the podcast space. I'm never crazy about it. It's not the most professional feeling thing, but it is what it is. Until the podcast pays the bill, I got to find these windows of time where I can record, um, you know, without the background noise of, of kids and, and everything else going on. So the idea is generally we'll get the kids down, we'll start the recording. 
um, ask me about what the percentage of success is in the kids being asleep when it's time to press record. Um, I always just assume that they're just kind of right there on the edge and you're just like, okay, bye. And you just like run out. Uh, it, it's uh, now listen, I I'm sure there's some parents out there that want to chime in about how I, uh, you know, I just suck as a dad. We're not doing this right. Whatever. Um, Oh, okay, cool. Um, that's the way it goes. My kids aren't your kids. They're all different. What works for one kid wasn't work, doesn't work for the next. It's part of what my issue is with so many parenting books, particularly for small children. I'm like, Oh, well that, that crap worked for your kids. So there's just, there's just different things, right? Some people have the bedtime nailed where it's like the kid lays down, you read a book, you say prayers, maybe you sing a song. Okay. Deuces. And they'll just stay there and go to sleep without you around. That's not our MO. Also, you know what? I'm just super mindful of the fact, like that whole idea of sometime that you pick up your kid will be the last time you pick up your kid. Um, mm. Do I hate that my three and five-year-old wants snuggles at bedtime? Nope, sure don't. Because before too long, they won't want to be seen in public with me. So whatever. But she was just wide stinking awake tonight. She had a Jocko. She snuck into the oh Jocko. Oh my gosh, uh, for real. <laughs> And, uh, she was just wired. So I'm like, baby, listen, dad has got to go potty. I need you to stay in bed and chill until I come back. I had no intention of coming back. Do I feel bad? <laughs> yeah, but only a little, only a little. And so at one point, as do we you were, use that one often? Um, she's going to get wise one of these days. Not all the time. Once or twice. She was always the, he was, my son was the better sleeper. Um, they're both pretty good these days. It was, it was a rough like first year with her. Um, whereas he settled into a, a pretty solid sleep routine right away. Um, but she was always the better, like the easier one to put down and he was always the better sleeper. Now they both sleep pretty good for the most part. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, you used to be able to put her down awake and those, those days are gone. It was really the switch to big kid beds. Like once there was room for us, like to lay there. Mm -hmm. it's uh it's over jack so i haven't had to use the like i'm leaving too many times sometimes they do knock out in enough time to dip out for the podcast and of course uh you know i've i've made room for some other recording times um you know i'll i'll occasionally depending on the guest if i really need to open up a window during the day uh i'll, I'll make that work but i do have an afternoon slot now that works a lot so i try and use that one so i'm not up against this but uh so then, you know, I bring the monitor out, have it turned all the way down. And as we're like troubleshooting tech, um, again, because of Riverside, I don't know if I mentioned that the tech issues tonight seem to be due to... Oh, oh was it Riverside? Yeah, it was um, um, common spelling, R-I-V-R, R-I-V-E-R, hooked on phonics. It did not work for me um, <laughs> side. But uh, so then I'm like sitting here as we're trying to figure it out and I'm watching her on the monitor, like get out of her bed. So I don't know if she was peeking out of the door or what was she laid back down. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was a little concerned. Yeah. I was like, well, so I was going to be gone for an hour. And or so, people cool. are like, maybe like, well, where, like, where was, where was your wife? Well, she was with, she was with the other kid. It's even numbers. Mm -hmm. That's why we're not cranking mm -hmm. out another one. The second they outnumber you, uh, <laughs> it's a real, it's a real bad deal. So, um, so here we are recording on FaceTime. I am the Jocko go is calming the nerves I'm feeling the, the piece of the, the whoop assault watermelon coming over me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
And we're onward and upward. Now you were, uh, and you could wave me off if you don't want to talk about this, but we had you scheduled a few weeks ago. Yes. And you had to kind of wave off family first, 100%. Mm-hmm. We all get it because your grandpa passed away, which he is, did. I said grandpa, I assume you would say abuelo. My abuelo, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. bilingual. A lot of people don't know that about me. Uh, yes. And so- Hi. So didn't want to like turn it into a big dramatic cry fest for you, but I saw you posting about him some and he seemed like an awesome guy and he seemed like you guys were close. So it just seemed like it might be cool if you want it uh, to just brag on your abuelo on the podcast now that we're back. I will always brag about my abuelo. He was, he really was the best. Um, He lived in Poinciana, as a lot of Puerto Ricans do. So I didn't get to see him too, too often. Um, It's not terribly far for those of you who don't know Central Florida topography or whatever. Um, But yeah, you know, we'd make the trip out there and see him. And um, it it was a little hard the last few years because he had um, dementia, Alzheimer's. But um, it was pretty cool because I would go and see him. He was was a veteran. So he was staying um, at the Veterans Community Living Center over in... um, we have one of those in like medical city here in central Florida. And I don't know how many people know about this. It's a pretty small place, but, um, you know, you, you hear a lot of bad, you know, uh, a lot of elder care facilities get a bad rep and a lot of them deserve it. But this place was just the best possible place. Um, anyone can be, I was so, so, so grateful that he was there and, you know, they can put on, anybody can put on a show. But um, I I knew some medical professionals who actually worked there, and they would say the same thing. They would say, "Man, they don't take care of people like that anymore. Yeah. They just he got really really great care." So if anyone's listening from the uh, VA community living center, Lake Nona, which is where he was, uh, they did a fantastic job with him. They took really good care of him. Um, so yeah, I got to see him. I actually used um, my very poor technological skills to make him like a book of like his family and stuff. And um, we would go and uh, I would like show him like, you know, like these are your kids and whatever. And every time he, he would get to like photos of his wife who she passed last year or two years ago, um, he would get really excited. And sometimes when, cause you know, I think um, towards the end he was nonverbal, but he'd always, uh, he would try to speak her name or he would, we would ask her, we like, who is that? Uh, and in Spanish, she would say, that's my chick. <laughs> the greatest thing. Yeah. Uh, I would try to make him say it all the time. Uh, so yeah, he was just really awesome guy. And then um, actually this week coming up, we have uh, his, we're taking him to a memorial. I guess it's a, I don't even know what they call it. Veteran cemetery over at Cape Canaveral. Okay. So yeah. So he served. I am not a, in the military at all as previous guests, but he is my connection. So. Right on. Do you know uh, yeah. what branch he was in or, or anything? He was in the Army. Army. Yeah, and he served in the Korean War. Okay. Yeah, very cool. So that was that going to be like a service with, with honors, like the whole shebang that you guys are going over and doing? Um, I don't know. I wish I knew that. I do know for his m- service there were – members of the military there and they did the flag folding okay. and that yeah, was yeah. really cool to see um so yeah he got the whole the whole thing with honors the flag covered his coffin and everything which was it was neat it was pretty cool yeah very cool yeah it's uh old people man they'll, they'll break your freaking heart so but uh <laughs> yeah he was a good one yeah i, I get growing old I, I suppose beats the alternatives but uh 
it's hard to tell. And then particularly like uh, my uh, mom's mom, my grandma uh, had dementia and it's, you know, they, they talk about it being, you know, harder on everyone else than it is on them. But it certainly mm-hmm. feels like there's a window in there where that's not true, where you're still there enough to understand what's going on yeah, and happening and not, not able to, uh, to do anything to stop it. So, yeah, I think that was the, the hardest part, you know, him passing, I was like, okay, he's, he's okay now he's at peace. But there was that whole in between when I was just like, man, I like, are you, do you understand? Are you in there? Like that was, that was tough. Yeah. So I just, I'm going to, I'm not making light of the situation. I, I would stay away from the movie Coco for a while. Be a, oh my god! Be a real, real, real tearjerker after, after this old old Mama Coco, snapping, oh, snapping well, to Last year I lost my grandmother on my other side, um, and then the year before I would say, kill no joke. Like since 2020, I have lost a grandparent every year, which was crazy. Uh, not expecting that at all. So uh, he was the last of the four. So it's a little weird. Not gonna lie, it's a little strange. <laughs> yeah, I grew up. I don't know if I've talked about it on here. I probably have because of the grandfather clocks and whatnot. But uh, um, really, not that I, I didn't have a good relationship with with my grandparents, but really close with my great aunts, with my dad's aunts. So there were three sisters. Obviously, his mom, and then the other two uh, never married. They pretty much lived together their whole lives. They lived in the same town they grew up in. They were born in this little town in Illinois their whole lives, and. I was just always, always super close with them. My OG best friends for sure. So then it was just, that's, that's what happens, right? You, every, if everybody stays healthy long enough and you live long enough, there's a point that you hit in your life where some people just start dropping off. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, the natural way things go down, particularly those grandparents, you know, they're all kind of right there in that, in that same window. And, uh, yeah. you know, so it was pretty short over order over a few years where I ended up, you know, speaking for, you know, obviously I've got the gift of gab, right? So it's like, oh, <laughs> who from the family is going to say something at the services? I, I mean, I guess that'll be big fat me. Yay. <laughs> let's do, let's do this. So, you know, just in short order, you know, my, my aunt Lois first, my aunt Donna, uh, then my dad's mom and then, you know, uh, bummer of bummers. My, my dad passed away right before COVID really popped off here. Um, mm. you know, and so it just, it's, you, you get a point, you hit a point there, there's a turn. We're not there just yet. We still got some friends cranking out kids, but it's like first, uh, you know, you get through the graduations, you get through the colleges, then you, then it's the rash of weddings. Then people crank out kids uh, you know, then you get to the kids' parties, and so the kids' parties and the old people kind of kicking it start to overlap, and uh, you know, it's just uh, there's there's no getting out of it. So <laughs> it's usually how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also interesting because yeah, I'm I'm in the stage where most of my friends who have kids are now popping off their second. I have a good handful that are like either pregnant with their second or just have their second and they're all just rapid fire success. It's like the COVID babies part two because their COVID yeah. babies are like now two, three years old. And um, yeah, the rest of them are the second siblings are coming. Yeah. So now we're, we're what, we're about a decade apart. Is that right? Have your age about right? Um, Maybe a little more than a decade. Yeah. 
I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, early a, I'm a young, I'm a that. young 42. Thank you very much. Oh yeah. Yeah. We um, are, we are a decade apart. Exactly. You know, so a lot of our closer friends are kind of, you know, uh, obviously around this age, you start to collect some younger ones, some older ones, whatever, but some of the, some of the core that we've been friends with for a long time are about this age. And we definitely had, uh, a friend of ours here recently, right around our age range, um, they've got a 13 year old, they've got a, I'm a guy, I, I don't know how old their second kid is. Sorry guys. It's fair enough. Um, uh, but they definitely just had what we're going to refer to as an unexpected blessing come along. Oh. I'm like, holy cow, like 13 and I don't know, like 10, 11, eight, nine, somewhere okay. in there, the other one. And you're like, start again, start over. Here you go. <laughs> oh no. And it's, you know, normally, you know, you've got some stuff left over. There's nothing left over. You've given everything away or sold it by then. It's long gone. Um, so yeah, we just, That's fine. we just met that, that one cute little thing, but whew, buddy, <laughs> just met that, that one. Yeah. <laughs> the way you say that, that one is great. Yep. Uh, um, yeah. Cause they, those are always fun though. Cause you can tell. Like everybody knows they were a surprise. There's no hiding. You know, they all go out yeah. and they're like, oh, is this your, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh no, my youngest. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So, you know, circle of life, man. <laughs> Boy. I'm going to play the sound bite. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I intro you as our uh, author, our, our serial entrepreneur. Recently, but you're uh, you're like under fire there in the old uh, self-employment biz. Like we've talked, if, you am. know, you can go back to Alex's uh, previous episodes. One of her her main gigs. Alex is a, a hustler, and uh, is is doing um, you know me- media management, content creation, and the robots. They're after your gig, man. Listen, I was so excited about chatbot chatbot GPT. Yeah. Until I literally lost a potential client to it this week. Um, no, I would say it was last week I had the conversation. And I had been, it, well, I'll just, I'll just tell you the story. So I reached out to a friend because he has a coaching business. And um, he helps people out of addiction. And um, I really believe in, in what he's doing. I uh, haven't spoken with him in a while. So reach out to him. And if he's listening to this, sorry tell the story. Um, but, um, we just started talking and I'm like, man, really, really love what you're doing. You're helping people break free of addiction. This is so great. How can I help? You know, um, I know it's not a charity thing, but I want to help. So, um, he's asking like what I can do. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm a writer. I can write. Um, so we're, we're in chats back and forth, you know, holidays happen. We're like, okay, we'll start whatever, whatever. So my first big project is I'm going to start proofreading some, uh, scripts that he's writing for his YouTube content. I'm going to start, you know, paring them down, making them sound a little more conversational. And then our last conversation, I was like, all right, yeah, just send me the material and and I'll get cracking. Now we hadn't talked payment, but there was definitely the option of if this works out, payment is, you know, he will become a client versus someone I'm just helping out. Um, That was definitely on the horizon. We talked, we confirmed, we were both like, yeah, that's going to happen. Cool. Be part of the team. Um, And then he's like, you know, uh, this chatbot GPT, actually, I ran my scripts through it and it cranked out exactly what I needed. So 
we're good. Um, now I hadn't started getting paid yet, so it wasn't a total loss, but I was, I was, I'm like, man, am I, am I, I mean, I'm happy for you that you're getting this free and not having to pay, but did I just lose a job to a robot? Is this what this feels like? <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't think I'd see the day. I always was like, man, it sucks. Robots replacing people, you know, but you got to adapt. You just have to like figure out your next move thinking that's never going to happen for me. My job is way too creative for that. And then, and then. Well, and it's not just written content, all the AI stuff out right now for like the, you know, it'll generate the paintings of you Mm -hmm. and like the Mm -hmm. creative stuff and some of what it spits out is really impressive. I had a buddy send me something yesterday and I don't know which of the AI programs they asked for this, but it's like, draw me um, like Roman soldiers current if Rome never fell. And so imagine crossing like current U.S. commandos like with the aesthetic of Roman centurions and it was freaking fire. My response to it was, bro, I would enlist. (laughs) I'm like, let's go. Uh, But then it gets really tricky, right? Like who's the artist there? Who's the creator? Is Mm -hmm. it the AI? Is it the programmer? These things don't really have a programmer. They have teams that work on them. So like who, like what, who or what created that image, created that content? Now I'm like in a, in a different application or sphere, I do I I create I do a lot of written content myself. Most of it's correspondence. Correspondence. It's it's conveying. Uh, a lot of time, it's very functional uh, type information. It, but it's it's one of my professional strengths. Like writing an email that doesn't sound condescending, um, while simultaneously being written for the lowest common denominator you can imagine so as to get them to accurately follow instruction or follow through on what you're asking. It's, mm-hmm. it's a challenge. And, you know, yeah. I say this all the time. Um, I, I say this to, to people I've taught. I I've said this to, to people I lead professionally, like no matter how low you set the bar, someone will come sliding in under it. I'm sorry if this sounds like mean or derogatory, but you have to try to write for the least intelligent person you know. And doing that with it sounding professional and upbeat, and again, not condescending, that doesn't mean you write like you're writing for a kindergartner. You're you're addressing adults, and it's not, like I say it a little tongue-in-cheek, you know, write for the dumbest person you know, whatever. It's just you're writing for different levels of reading comprehension, and you've got people that are just going to skim, and you still need good follow-through on them. So it's like, how do I make, you know, making sure it's not too long, too. It's too often. Too many people want to do too much in one email. I'm like, no, you're going to be lucky to get them to do this one thing. Stop asking mm-hmm. me to include the other things because it's noise. They're not going to, none of that's going to get through. Uh, I'm like, so prioritize what you, we need them to know right now. And we'll, we'll do that really well. Uh, so all that to say, like, as soon as this, this popped, like I went on, I put in for the whatever. And I asked chat GPT for some email content. Um, and it was okay. 
Um, but it writes a lot like a college freshman trying to impress somebody. Uh, it's a little verbose. And so it's if you if you cross a college, like a US college freshman with um like uh an email scammer, that's about the content you're gonna get out of it. Like some things just aren't right. Or when you talk to somebody who whatever language you're talking to them in is not their native language, it's second or third. And so they don't understand like idioms and colloquialisms. It's well I mean, yesterday, just yesterday, I mean, I was kind of, um, so in my, my job, I just got like a, a promotion. I moved to departments, not, you know, completely. So I'm still writing content, but now I'm a little bit more on the customer. I wouldn't call it customer service side, but kind of. Um, and I was a little bit like, I'm like, dude, you hired me as a writer. Like I do like interacting with people to a point, but you know, so this is all in the back of, back of my head. Um, and then we're on a call yesterday and he's showing, um, he's showing his other clients. He's like, Oh, check out this thing that Jack, you know, chat GPT can do. And so he's like, he told it to write a script for a YouTube video on this one trending topic in real estate. I think it was like Kevin Hart and it did. And it sounded like Kevin Hart was doing this, this, it was insane. So they had it mimic the voice of these like person, these famous personalities and it, it cranks it out and it sounds scary accurate. I, I so was, yeah, I was I listening had to shut up at that point. I was like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Customer service. It is like, <laughs> I was listening to uh fake doctors, real friends, which is the, the scrub scrub tree watch podcast, uh, mm-hmm. Zach Braff, Donald Faison. And uh, I want to say it was Zach Braff who like, his probably his most success success in front of the camera uh, was Scrubs Garden State too, but Garden State was his his movie. So Zach's really prolific as a director these days. Mm-hmm. Um, he was nominated for the episode of um, Ted Lasso that he directed, and uh, he's really close with Bill. Gosh, what's Bill's last name? I can't remember, but he's the guy who who created Bill Lawrence was the creator and the showrunner Scrubs. He's the creator and showrunner of Ted Lasso. He's got a new um, uh, show out on Apple TV. Uh, gosh, can't remember the name. Anyways, Zach's going to direct an episode of that. He's really good behind the camera. But anyways, so he asked Chat GPT to write a couple of scenes in the style of Scrubs, and they weren't mm-hmm. they weren't as good as what I they wouldn't they would have been on the cutting room floor if they were in a script for the show, but they were pretty passable. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. the thing, it kind of gets you there. It doesn't get you all the way there. And, but the problem right. is it depends on the standards. So like what it spits out, you and I would polish up 100%. Yes. Like you and I, I haven't seen anything come out of it that I wouldn't make better, mm-hmm. but man, it's close. And if, you know, 70% of the way there is close enough for somebody. Oh, well, I mean, okay. Yeah. I just got to switch my skill set to proofreading, which is pretty easy, but you know. Yeah, no, now, I'll, can, I'll put that on my resume. Uh, I, uh, I can edit your chat pot, and chat bot. I'll say okay. that, like some of the stuff that I put in, like I'm. Uh, let's see if this thing can crank out an email for me. Or actually, one of the things that it was nice for, I will often get emails from somebody else that need to go out through my office, um, that I've got to punch up, mm-hmm. and a lot of time, you know, a lot of times. 
it's almost like starting from scratch. Like, mom, I can't, I'm like, I just, I can't. Um, and so I took one of those and I was just like, I need you to like improve this content. It, it probably saved me 15 minutes. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't use what it spit back out, but again, it got to like 75% of what I would have done. And then I just did the rest. I'm like, Oh, well that's not so bad. Yeah. Yep. So, so I'm like, I can't even be mad because I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. Yeah. I would use it too. So you know? yeah, as I'm doing that, I'm just singing Taylor, you know, in my office. I'm like, oh, me, I'm the problem. It's me. I'm, it's, <laughs> it's my yeah. fault. And when I saw, I know, I don't think, I think it was around Christmas time when everybody started, um, you know, posting their AI versions of themselves and their AI paintings. I didn't do it because it was creepy, but you know, a lot of people were doing that. And then I saw a lot of artists rightfully upset, you know, this is our work. This is our livelihood. And I'm over here like, yeah, man, sucks to suck. And now I'm yeah. like, shut up, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but also like art tends to always find a way, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, now this is just another tool. This is another brush. This is another medium. So now yeah. as an artist, it's okay. How can you take this thing and use it in a way that other people aren't? How do you go beyond the Hey, make me look like I belong in the black eyed peas. Uh, you know, <laughs> like how do you do that next application? So art, art will, will find a way, but man, I've seen some stuff that it's cranked out. There was that one painting that was floating around where it wasn't just like somebody's face. It was like a scene. I don't know. It kind of was like matrix meets 300 meets the Hobbit. So it was like from a cave, but it was almost like middle agey kind of Roman, Esque, like roby feeling and it kind of surreal all at the same time. I'm like, this was purely generated by some AI. I'm like, dang, that's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of dope. I have to see that one. I didn't yeah. see that one. I'll have to, I'll have to find it and send it to you. So slightly terrible. Yeah. I also, um, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm going to give you like, where's your AI based? I don't know if you need images of my face. Now, I, you, I guess you can also just go grab images of my face from wherever too. So I, <laughs> it's also, I have that little bit of Ron Swanson in me where I'm like at any given time, I'm right on the verge of like smashing the computers and cutting up the credit cards and only dealing in gold and buying a camper and, you know, moving the family to an undisclosed location out West. But like, but then at the same time, I'm like anytime I kind of get a wild hair up my butt, I'm about like, well, like TikTok, I'm not going to use TikTok. I won't use TikTok. Um, yeah. Now have I voluntarily put microphones all over my house <laughs> and cameras for Amazon and Apple? Sure have, um, you know, among, you know, camera, you know, my cameras that are, don't worry about where my cameras are people, but there's cameras. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> my, no, listen, mine ain't the house. Okay. Move along. Mine ain't the one you yeah. want. Well, and so we'll just leave that, that. So it's like trying to balance those things and having like some kind of security mindset, um, with like trying to take some advantage of the modern conveniences. I, I think we probably have passed a threshold where we've traded away too much. Like if you could, oh, if you could go, I, yes, yeah, 100%. Like if you went back in time and explained like Alexa to the KGB, <laughs> they'd lose their freaking mind. <laughs> like not, so people are putting these in their homes uh-huh, and they're paying for them. Yeah. But you don't yeah. have to sneak them in. No, they know there's microphones. Oh, no, the microphone's the whole point. Yeah. Yes. 
and it's I, always listening. Their brains would explode. Yep. Yep. We're doing it. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to sneak it in 100%. I don't know. I don't know if we talked about this on my, my debut episode here. Um, we might have mentioned it, but I 100% knew that my apartment in China was bugged and it was proven. Um, they didn't even like try to hide it. Um, did we talk about this? Did I tell this story? I feel like we hit on it some. Like there was some response to somebody yelling at you for hanging out with somebody and there's no way for them to oh, know yes. that, right? Yes. Oh no, it was because I didn't um I didn't wear a mask in their apartment because I wore it out in the hallway, but I walked into their apartment, uh, which was in my same building, it was the floor right above mine. Um and yeah, I, I hung out there with with them for three hours. We hadn't left our apartment. Granted, this was when before COVID was called COVID and um, the probably the first or second day of lockdown uh, in Wuhan. So then, yeah, we were just sitting there and we're chilling, you know, and then I get up in my apartment and 30 minutes later, I get a text. We all got a group text from one of our directors saying, you need to be wearing a mask at all times, even when you visit your friends. So, At which point I'm like, if I'm going to be locked in this apartment, I don't know where the camera is. I'm out. I got to get out of here. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so, but I, I purposefully don't have Alexa or, I mean, I have a smartphone, but I don't even have an Apple watch just because I don't want technology on me all the time. Yeah. I feel a little strange about it. Um, but I don't have, you know, whatever the Google version of that is. However, my roommate does. And I just moved in with her. So um, I didn't know that she did until I started saying something and then someone started talking back to me and I was home alone. <laughs> and then I realized she has um, the Google version. Oh, yeah. I think it's just Google Home. So, yeah, yeah. fun. Well, back, fun times. And backtracking for newer listeners. So if you go back to Alex's first episode, the number of which a better podcaster would have offhand. I do not, but I trust in your ability to find it. Just ask Alexa. Um, uh, Alex came on and told the story of living and working in Wuhan, China at the end of 2019. Yeah, that Wuhan. Wuhan, Wuhan. Who cares? Wuhan, Wuhan. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. It's funny that you would speak of Chinese surveillance because it turns out, Alex, that they are still looking for you. They heard you left. Uh, That's what it they, is. They missed you, and they have sent out a search party of sorts. Yes, they, they sure did. Uh, short of painting it red, making it look like the Chinese flag. Uh, they're not being secret or quiet about it either. So we're, of course, speaking of, and I can't imagine somebody listening to this podcast and not being aware that this is a thing. Uh, but there's a, a Chinese spy balloon um, floating over. Now, it's been over America for several days, as often seems to be the case here lately. Things that are going on that might be of public interest get pretty delayed in actually uh, being exposed. Um, but so evidently this, this thing crossed the border into U.S. airspace several days ago. And just blew up as a story today because people in Billings, Montana could, you know, just see it. So this is a <laughs> giant balloon uh, floating at, I want to say, around like 60,000 feet in altitude and has what looks like the International Space Station attached to it. Wow. Um, and it's pretty much everybody but China at this point is like, oh, yeah, 
that's it's for surveillance. And just boy, do I have questions. Um, I kind of don't know where to start. Um, so I'll just pick who, who does surveillance with a balloon in 2023? Like, does the dude from up, is he Chinese? Does he live in China? Is that what's that's, that was the inspiration. Yes. Now I did see, there's been some funny takes already. Uh, I did see somebody on, uh, Twitter take an image of it and be like, if you zoom in, there's actually writing on the balloon. And what they had done, uh, is taken and made it look like on the side of the balloon, say Fang Fang hearts, Eric, an allusion to, of course, representative Eric Swalwell, uh, having an overt relationship with a Chinese spy. Um, so that's, that's funny. Like, okay, I can appreciate that, that sense of humor. Um, but man, I, love that. I, I got some funny tweets about it too, or not got, but I, I found them. Um, one of my favorites is at this point, it's clear China sent the balloon, not to spy, but to embarrass Americans via their reaction to it. Yes. Because <laughs> questions it's, again. I mean, I, I couldn't dream up a, a weaker response. This thing's it's been up for days. It's been in American airspace for days. Um, we're, we're not going to shoot it down. We're not going to, we're not going to take this thing down. Oh, it would put the debris would cause too great a risk. It's, it's in the West half of the country. There's like five people that live out there and they're all in California. The risk to what cows. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Uh, You know, I Colorado craft beef. I love you. I, you know, I don't think this thing's going to come down on your cows. And if it does, we could, we could probably compensate you. Oh, we've, we've done, uh, you know, basically like we've mitigated its ability to collect data. I mean, you think, you know, it would mitigate it. A missile. Shooting uh, it down. Yeah. Some rounds out of an A-10 Warthog. Actually, I don't know if the A-10 is going to operate at 60,000 feet. Um, hashtag Lieutenant uh, Commander Bill Staley hit me up. But, um, and listen, there's a there's a lot of sensitive areas out where this thing's been floating around. There's nuclear power plants. There's missile silos. It's not an accident where it's at. I read reports today that um, it had like changed directions. Not like oh they found us we're hightailing out of here, but indicating like it has navigational capability. It's not just at the whims of like the jet stream. So no, mm-hmm. as China has said today, this isn't a weather study balloon that got away from them. Um, so that we're, I mean, just, ima- just imagine, again, I've said on this podcast a million times, I'll say it again, I'll say it every time something like this comes up. Um, I don't own a MAGA hat, I'm no Trumpkin. I got a better administration out of President Trump than I thought I was going to get. I got a more conservative administration not conservative enough for me, and I don't want him to be the nominee again. Um, all that said, imagine this happening while Trump's in office. <laughs> are you, are, how fast would this thing be brought down? Are you kidding me? And then, as if our response wasn't weak enough, uh, our Secretary of State, Blinken, was scheduled for a visit to China going to meet with president, which is a ridiculous name for this guy, president G dictator, tyrant G. Um, and Oh, that trip's now 
the trip's now been postponed. Not only should it not be postponed, but you should go. And often, often uh, during state visits, you present a gift and you're presented with a gift. And he should show up and he should hand thee a bag full of parts from this thing. I would love that. I would, I would freaking love that. No, that wouldn't happen. It's just, I mean, I've seen reports. This is clearly a violation of U.S. airspace. Yeah. Yeah. Don't need to be a policy expert to land on that little factoid. It's, and it's just, it's just there. It's, this this thing's, as we record right now, this thing's floating somewhere in U.S. airspace. Mm -hmm. And out west. There's another one over Latin America I heard as well. So maybe they are looking for me, Gail. That's there. There is a theme here. There, we're we're, <laughs> we're connecting some dots. I, I'm just freaking furious. Uh, I I don't lack um, for um, complaints and issues with our current administration, but I th- some of the most dangerous has to be our standing in the world. Uh, it, it's just. It's not good for the world for bad people to not be afraid of America. I would agree with you there. And that's when we see things like during the Obama administration is when Russia invades Crimea, invades us the in, you know, in in the modern world, a country invading the sovereign territory of another country unprovoked without cause. Because we want it. It used to be ours. We want it back. Um, and and we did we did nothing. We did nothing. Um, and then notice there's none of that crap in the interim administration. And mm-hmm. then now we've got a member of the Obama administration in the White House becoming the Biden administration. Oh, we're we're gonna go uh we're gonna take some more of Ukraine. China, we're gonna push harder on Taiwan. We're going to mm-hmm. invade their airspace more. We're going to bow up more. Um, I mean, we're not even going to touch. I mean, I, we don't even have to get into COVID. Uh, and rather or not, it it was intentionally released or accidentally escaped or created in a lab. If it if it actually was was crossover from an animal at a wet market, but okay. But still, the way they withheld, with the way they hid information, the way they withheld information, um, you know, it's you, these things don't happen when America is perceived as strong. It just doesn't happen. It just, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and an America that's perceived as weak is just bad for the whole world. Whole world. Here, here. So, true. you know, it's when the when the biggest kid on the playground indicates they have no intention of keeping the bullies in line, the bullies run rampant. And then the bullies and then are you right, well, and then are you any better than the bullies? Is there a difference no. between bullying yourself and allowing them to bully when you could stop it? I, I get that gets problematic because you also can't force your ideals on everyone everywhere and you can't be the world's police and a lot of bad crap happens in the world uh, and you can't run around and police all of it every time going, okay, well, 
you know, I mean, there's, you, you go visit the Holocaust Museum in DC. I mean, legitimately go visit it. And, uh, you know, the, the motto, the, the refrain of never again, it sounds right. Everybody's like, yeah, never again, but we mean only kind of, as long as it's on a smaller scale, um, and in an area without, uh, any particularly useful natural resources, uh, then we're like, well, I mean, is it really genocide? Is it really? Um, and so again, I mean, you kind of get into that same argument. That is the, that is the humanitarian argument for military force of like, if they're doing this to these people and there's a difference between like two quasi equal warring factions and just like these people are being decimated. They can't do anything to stop it themselves. We could stop it. So is there a difference between doing it yourself and allowing somebody else to do it when you could stop it? It's an interesting moral question. And then we get into ethics. And then we and get into ethics. Yes. So, I mean, we don't mind the Uyghurs building our phones, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. So I, I, it's just, I mean, I, <laughs> Very few. I mean, there's been a lot of things that provide a stark contrast between, again, I don't think President Trump was a perfect president or a perfect executive. Um, there there were all kinds of, of issues there. Um, but like right now, the dichotomy between how President Biden is handling this and how a Trump administration would have handled this is just yeah. it's just laughable. Who was it? Um, one of the somebody from Montana tweeted about it to shoot it down. I think it was just shoot it down. Yeah, I think that's what it. Let me see if I can find it. It was great. It was just like I don't know. It was it was a good. Uh, yes, shoot it down. The Chinese spy balloon is a clear provocation in Montana. We do not bow. We shoot it down. Take the shot. That was Ryan Zinke. Yeah, so Zinke's a former SEAL. He served in the Trump administration um, as Secretary of the Interior, I believe. And then he was running for uh, like a Senate seat or something like that now. I, I can't, and I, I don't think he got it. I don't know if he holds any office right now. But I just, I, which begs the question, why not shoot it down? Like we all understand that like hazard from falling debris, like that just does not pass the smell test. If you look at a map of populated areas out west, there's so much open land. If you haven't ever been out there, you've only ever lived in population centers. Um, you know, like it's called big sky country for a reason. Um, you could 100% bring this thing down without posing any risk to, to human life on the ground. Or certainly like minimal, uh, close enough to zero to be zero, right? Maybe somebody's out for some random hike somewhere. And then at that point, it's just final destination. Like God just wanted you dead. Um, <laughs> so then, okay. If that's not, then why, why not? Cause those, the answers to that question get real interesting. Like there were already reports this past week or the week before, um, about like weapons programs in China managing to procure like us made like chips or computer or something, which they're not supposed to be able to do. I'm like, maybe we don't want to know what kind of tech is in this thing and who made yeah. it and where it came from. I bet there's some people sitting in some offices somewhere sweating us looking at the inside of this thing. 
It's not yeah, like, but that didn't stop them from sending yeah. it. And it's not like taking it down would be some great provocation to war. We're not talking about somebody assassinating the Archduke Ferdinand. This is a weather balloon. And again, they did it just to be embarrassing. Just yeah. to, if, if we just shot it down and we're like, no dummies, it, there's no skin off their nose. It would have been nothing. And instead we look like this. Yep. What do we do? I, I don't know. I feel like whoever sent it, whoever sent it, they, they knew it was just going to be, like, I don't know. I kind of imagine them just like, Hey guys, watch this. Yeah. Watch what they do. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just imagine that. All right. Like some episode of like wh- family guy or South well, Park or something. And also again, revert, like flip the script. If we were floating something like this over mm-hmm. Chinese airspace or, uh, just space that China thinks is theirs. <laughs> which is the whole deal with Taiwan. Dude, it, it come down like a falling star. I mean, it'd be, mm-hmm. there'd be no question. There'd be no hesitation and they wouldn't worry about whether or not there were people underneath it. They got plenty no. of people. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I am properly flabbergasted. I just at this point though, Kale, like it's sad, but I I'm not surprised. I kind of was like, wow, we're really we're really not gonna do anything about this, are we? Okay. All right. I I bet like I, I haven't looked up like um, you know, the operational altitudes for some of our fighters and stuff like that. Um but I bet if this thing were over Texas, I bet some Texas National Guard jet would bring this thing down. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Texas. Although I don't know, Texas is changing now. You know, they keep saying that and then it doesn't, uh, they keep saying that. And then a lot of, uh, the Latin vote and particularly, uh, Mexican vote started to shift red because they're traditional values voters. And so a lot of that shifted when people thought it wouldn't. And, Texas was going to be purple this go round, and Texas was going to flip blue. Didn't happen. I mean, there's still a mass migration, though, from California to Texas and from the West Coast to Texas. Um, I think that's still happening. Like, Dallas is just exploding right now. Yeah. Yeah. We'll so s- we'll see. But I think it's different than it's been in the past where – a lot of those people are moving because they got either so burned by COVID policy where they were at, whether that's Illinois or New York or California. And so they were more directly feeling the impact of their voting than they typically do. And then also in the case of California, so many of these people are moving from these metropolitan areas that have just become unlivable, um, Mm-hmm. human feces in the street and needles and just these areas that were like, these were some of the, you know, like San Francisco and like mm-hmm. just world renowned, beautiful, you know, whatever. And it's just, you can't like, there's apps to track where the poop is on the sidewalks <laughs> and, and it's not dog poop. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> um, so I, I think they're maybe more acutely feeling as they're moving. This is my hope because a lot of these people are driving right past Texas and coming here to mm-hmm, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, is that 
they they felt the impact of their voting record a little more acutely than if they were just moving to chase a job or something like that. And maybe, maybe we'll just think twice about voting the same way again. I'm, I'm hopeful that that is the case, but I'm also not, I don't know. I'm hopeful, but I'm not because I just know how these things go. He, and like you said, you set the bar really low yeah. and then a lot of people can just I've been slide right under working it. Working on this idea here recently that, uh, you know, maybe somebody listening can, can kind of float this by Governor DeSantis. If he likes it, have him reach out. I haven't worked out all the constitutionality of this. There might, I'm sure there would be some legal challenges. There might be some hurdles there. Uh, but I do know this, that the Constitution left a lot around the process of voting to the states. That's intentional. That's part of why it is so hard to throw an election in America. Because every state and jurisdiction has different voting machines, different procedures, different, like it's not just one system that you hack or, or figure out. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's a, a feature, not a bug. Um, but what I don't know is like in that leeway of, okay, like we've got to do elections, but the states are the one, like they've got the authority to kind of figure out how this thing's going to play out and how to, how to enact it. Here's what I'd like to see. You move to Florida from wherever, Seven-year moratorium on voting. Now, to me, no one is having their right to vote taken away from them because no one has to move here. You can stay where you're at and still vote for the next seven years. You could choose some other state that might not have the same policy and you could vote. But if you want to move here, and to be fair, from anywhere doesn't have to be a blue state. You move here from anywhere. You can't vote. Seven years. Not local, not federal. Uh, you want to come live in the sunshine state. You want to move to paradise. You want to come enjoy freedom. You want to come and, and come somewhere where we're open for business. Um, you obviously, obviously you're okay with the way we're running things or why would you come here? So just let us keep doing what we're doing. And after you've experienced and enjoyed the fruits of that for seven years, once you've had time to figure out almost everything that I've been told about this place was a lie, except there are a lot of alligators and the mosquitoes do suck. Um, but almost everything else, the whole Florida man tail, not really a thing. Um, <laughs> so you come here, you, you live off the fat of the land for seven years, and then uh, then you can you can return to voting and if you don't like if you don't like that at any point you leave be like you know what i need i need to say i don't like the way this is going oh well you don't need to say you just need to just need to leave you can just leave i i think vote somewhere else. i think this has a lot of promise I second it. Again, I, I have no power at all, but I second that. And motion. people just saying, okay, oh, you just want to disenfranchise people. You just, you want to take away people's right to vote. No, I do not. I want to take away their ability, not right, to screw up my freaking state. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, you're right. Because think about it. I could move anywhere right before an election and vote in their election 
and I don't know how anything works. Yeah. I'm not even from there. Yeah. And I could just go, I mean, I'm one person, but yeah, I mean, enough people get to a place. They can't even call themselves proper Floridians. They're, they haven't even survived their first hurricane. Granted, our last hurricane season was a lot. Yeah, but, but like, I mean, you know. how long had it been? It'd been a minute. <laughs> we were overdue. Yeah. Fair enough. We were overdue. But like, yeah, they don't they don't know. They don't know what life is like here. And they're now, over here trying to change it. Here's the other play. Say there are constitutional hurdles that can't be overcome with this policy. And I posit that there very well may be. Certainly plenty of people would be mad about it, but whatever. Don't move here. But the other play, as people leave California, California that I'm told I haven't visited because eh, has some of the most beautiful landscapes and cities and climate in the world, you know, low 70s in the summer. What if we just wait for enough of them to move out and we all move in just like in one election cycle, we just go from like typical California that everybody's used to. And all of a sudden, all of California is Orange County. All of a sudden it's deep red. And all of a sudden somehow like DeSantis, not even on the ballot, and he wins from write-ins. This is the other play. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna pause you real quick, Alex, because and this is just the reality of podcasting. I've lost your audio. There you are. Yes. Got you back. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to sound hella millennial right now, um, but you sounded like, I don't even want to bring it up. I feel like I'm going to dumb down the conversation. Um, there's an episode of SpongeBob. Are you a SpongeBob fan? Who isn't? I, I, you'd be surprised. I was as I a long time. A lot of homeschoolers actually. As a long time um, SpongeBob fan, I was rather surprised to find out just recently that evidentially he's been homosexual this whole time. Um, what? not unlike Dumbledore who we, oh, we just had gosh. no idea, but I digress. Continue. I actually, I saw a really funny <laughs> meme that I sent to several friends today that was like to produce a hit television show in 2023. What you do is you take an old beloved show and you remake it, but make all the characters gay. That's very true. Yes. That is very true. I mean, I haven't seen it, but I also heard they did the same kind of thing with Velma. Yeah, that's um, that's the word on the street. Which, I don't know. It doesn't even look worth my time, to be honest. I've heard that it's tanking. Go figure. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know. I know we're going off on a, ma a rabbit trail, but uh, Mindy Kaling loved her in the office. Thought she was great. Um, some of the other stuff that she's done, I haven't really seen too much of it. And I was like, yeah, you know, go, go, Mindy. And then, I don't know, I see this and I'm like, okay, all right, moving on. Yeah. Uh, but back to SpongeBob, you sounded like Patrick when he's suggesting they take Bikini Bottom and just push it somewhere else because the Alaskan bullworm is coming. I don't know if you remember that episode, but they have a whole town forum and literally that's his suggestion. And he goes, we should just take Bikini Bottom and push it somewhere else. 
And then at the end of the episode, that's exactly what they're doing. Hey, and it's there's, great. A, there's a lot of wisdom in, in what Patrick's <laughs> saying. I, of all things, of all reasons. So I was like, I was a little aged out of SpongeBob, but it kind of had that Ren and Stimpy vibe where, you know, you could kind of get into it even if you weren't a kid. So I haven't watched all of it. I've seen a lot of SpongeBob. And I just, there's a, me and a buddy of mine had this one favorite episode and it was just um, like SpongeBob and Patrick, like they're super bored and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do for the day. Um, yep. And they steal a balloon. Yes. Like, but the one thing that is like just burned into my psyche from it is they're like walking along and they see this balloon, like this red balloon. I think it's like a balloon cart or something. And they just freeze. And it's just Patrick who the guy that voices Patrick was also a voice. He's a prolific voice actor. Um, so he was in the show Gargoyles, which a lot of people loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was, if you remember the show with Craig T. Nelson, uh, Coach, you probably would have been too young for Coach. But they were, it was based around like the coaching staff of a college football team. Uh, and mm-hmm. one of the assistant coaches, his name was Dauber. And that actor, mm-hmm. whose name I don't know, that voices Patrick was, was Dauber. But, anyways, Patrick just goes, I know what I want to do today, SpongeBob. And that line is burned into my soul. I hear it in my head all the time. That line alone makes me laugh. It was just like the scenario, the delivery, everything was perfect. And so all the time, like if I'm trying to like, oh, what am I going to do in my head? Like when I'm like, I'll do that. What I hear is, I know what I want to do today, SpongeBob. (laughs) I remember I'm actually picturing it in my head. Yes. It's a great scene. Great show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what you sounded like when you were like, maybe we can just switch with California. I mean, the, I wouldn't mind. The Let's options maybe. coming quick. Like we're getting like the part of why this has been so insurmountable is because California is so populous, but with more people moving out than in, uh, we're going to hit a critical mass here where a bunch not Texans, they wouldn't get down for this. They're not leaving Texas. We all know it. Um, but, There's still a lot of room over there. I, dude, I'll, I'll say this, man. I've been in Florida since 1986. So not a native. Most people aren't. But I'm about as Floridian as you get for the most part, other than this tiny little subset of the population. I've never had, I've actually always been moderately annoyed by, if not baffled by, people who have this great pride and affinity for the locale they were from or grew up in. Right. So like I never identified as like particularly Floridian or, um, you know, was like proud of being you like, we all know New Yorkers are like this. Um, we all know Texans are like this, but somehow it's not, it doesn't ever seem as annoying from Texans. Cause it feels like it's actually like justified. Like we all know if anything ever goes to crap, Texas is just going to be its own country and it's going to be fine. Right. Like we all know, and like Texas is just a different beast. Right. Mm -hmm. But New Yorkers and people from Boston and there's a set of, you know, people from California, particularly, you know, sorry, Jeannie, LA, um, you know, whatever. (laughs) There's just these people. And like, I just never had any sense of that. Um, After the, the pulse shooting here, there was all this, Orlando strong stuff everywhere. Uh, like I said, I've been in central Florida since 1986. I have no idea what Orlando strength is. I, I, I don't know what our brand, I don't know what distinguishes our regional strength. I, 
it made no sense to me. I'm like, this is, this is dumb. Um, Oh, Orlando. Like what? Why? How? Someone explain it to me, dude. I'm at a place right now where I'm like, yeah, I'm from Florida and I'm proud of it. It's freaking awesome. Uh, regular listeners, everybody knows my affinity for, for go ruck. And one of my favorite shirts that I have from them that I picked up at Sandlot Jacks last year, it's got the go ruck logo, which is a spearhead, which is inspired from, uh, you know, they're founded by, uh, you know, a special forces veteran. And so the spearhead is, is taken from special forces. So it's their spearhead logo. Uh, but it's the, uh, Florida flag inside the logo and nice. beneath it. It just says freedom. And I'm like, yep, sums it up, <laughs> sums it up. It's so, yep, and it's so, right. it's so crazy to watch national media talk about like our state or, or our governor. I, I, maybe I talk about this on here too much anymore, but it's just so infuriating from the inside. I'm like, no, just come see, just come see. Yeah. There's a reason people are moving here in droves. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And just to, to uh, I, it's just, I, I freaking love it. I love it. I'm a proud Floridian. Now, I will shift the topic a little bit because um, Florida policy, especially in education, is, is changing, has changed. And, um, you know, we saw some stories this week about um, teachers clearing their shelves dramatically in such a dramatic way, their, their bookshelves more specifically. Um, and when I looked up the story, it was all, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all twisted. It's all, you know, everybody puts their spin on it. Um, and I'm wondering if it's because it's black history month, but all of it is apparently t- related because somehow DeSantis is racist and that's why the books are banned. Um, I don't know. It was a stretch, but a lot of the stories, that's what, that's what I was getting from, from the news stories. But, um, I talked to the teachers in my life and as a former teacher, um, I was very interested to learn more about this policy and how it came about. Um, but yeah, that's happening. And, uh, it's just interesting. I don't know, Kale, did you go to school in the, in the era of, or was there, I don't know, we had, um, I remember going to school here in central Florida and I think it was either a week or a month where it was like banned books week. And we were encouraged to check out banned books. And it was like, you know, to kill a mockingbird, um, Fahrenheit 451, um, all of these books, right. You have, you had, um, what is it? Huckleberry Finn and all of those. And people were like proud. They were like, I read banned books and there's like all this kind of stuff. But now it seems to almost have been like reverted now. Like we're banning books again. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. So uh, there's a lot to unpack there, right? One, the whole like, oh, all the shelves in the classroom are empty and all the shelves of the library are empty and they've got the receipts. They've got, they've got pictures to show that they're empty. Um, but the straw man there is that they did not have to empty them. Nobody said you have to take all those right. books off the shelf. Mm-hmm. It's literally a middle school tantrum. It's, it's that, tantrum. it's that overreaction of, you know, it's, it's a, it's like a kid 
who, you know, like it's, it's dinner time and they want to eat the dessert thing. And you're like, well, no, we're not going to do the dessert thing right now. You need to eat dinner. Well, fine. I just won't eat anything. I, yep. I can't eat that. So I no, won't they, eat anything. They push the plate. They throw the plate against the wall. <laughs> so like what the state has done, and it's not about book banning. Um, it's about like, let's make sure that content's age appropriate. Yeah. Um, and so there, there are some ideologies that our state has said, these aren't going to be taught in our schools. This isn't going to be funded by our tax dollars. And that's things um, like critical race theory, um, which, you know, repeatedly you'll have districts and or teachers unions say, oh, well, we're, we're not teaching critical race theory. And then, you know, you get documentation and you get video footage and all the stuff where it's a rose by any other name. It's like, oh, well, because we're not saying critical race theory, but we're teaching all the concepts of it. So basically Florida's just been like, you know, what we're not going to do is teach our, our children that our, that our country is evil and that they're just victims and the whole system is rigged against them and they're just set up to fail. Like how long can the civilization stand when it's youth are being educated, being taught to hate it? Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer is probably not very long. Now there's people who tout those things, say, good, our civilization, civilization students shouldn't stand. There's people that want to burn it to the ground. Um, but we don't want to here. That's why we need a seven year moratorium on newbies voting. Um, and so it's, you know, we're, we're not going to teach, um, a, we're going to keep things age appropriate. Um, you know, we don't need to be be talking about sexuality and gender ideology and all these things in kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Um, there might be an appropriate time and place for that conversation, but it's certainly not in those times and places. It shouldn't be done uh, without parents' knowledge, without parents' support, without parents' input. Um, and so we're just not going to do that here. And there's other things that sound really, really good, um, like... Um, Oh gosh, what's, what's the phrase for it? Like the social emotional stuff, um, where it sounds like, Oh, we want, like, we want our kids to be, to understand like social emotional stuff and you dig into it and there's a lot of Marxist ideology behind it. So like that. And it's, it's, it's the same crap as like, Oh, the Patriot Act, who's going to vote against the Patriot Act? Mm -hmm. Um, anybody who understands what it actually does, that's right. Yeah. That's who, and can get past the name. Uh, and so it's, it's just stuff like that, or, you know, there was all this news this past week over Florida rejecting, uh, this African American studies AP course from college board. And then you get into what was in it. And there was, there were segments on queer theory and critical race theory. It's like, what on God's green earth does queer theory have to do with African American studies? Um, and actually, lo and behold, because not unlike California and Texas, Florida actually has a lot of pull over curriculum because of our population size, because they want to sell to us. Uh, and College Board backed off on those segments of that course and are going to remove them. So the thing with the bookshelves was, um, no, we're, we're not going to allow these certain things, these certain grade levels or age levels to be present. And there's steep punishment for it. Uh, and I'm glad there is because otherwise it wouldn't be taken seriously. Um, there's steep fines and stuff that go along with violating it. 
But so what these districts and these teachers and these librarians have done, other than going, um, okay, well, this thing's obviously not okay based on what they've said. So let's take this off the shelf. And these things obviously are okay. So we'll, we'll leave them. Like this is stuff we've had here forever. This is stuff that clearly doesn't violate these guidelines. Well, definitely doesn't violate these guidelines. So we'll leave that. Then there might be some gray area stuff where I understand because of the steep penalties, just being like, hey, it's, you know, it's kind of a gray area. We haven't really received training on it. We'll pull it just to be safe, just for good measure. Cool. But it was not so obscure that just every single book need to be pulled off the shelf uh, until it could be evaluated by trained personnel. That's just them that it's just them wanting to make a political point of like these policies forced us to do this. Now, you know, now there's no books in the classroom. Yeah. You took all the books out and you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt that some percentage of them would have been just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, and it's, it's interesting. My, my sister is a teacher over in Hillsborough County and she teaches music. So it doesn't super affect her, but she did have to pull it, but she was told, and it was a district thing. It wasn't like a teacher's thing or even an administration thing. The district was like, um, what they explained to her, they were, they were like, unless a parent approves the book, then it can't be taught, which I, I was like, well, they're, they're trying, they're giving from what it sounds like, they're giving more power over to the parents, which they should. Parents should absolutely have a say in what's being taught to their children. Um, and she's like, yeah, but then you get those like Karens who are just every book, they have an issue with every book. And instead of saying, hey, I don't like you reading this book in the classroom where my child is present. So instead of taking your child out of that environment, take the book away from everyone else. And they're just doing it just across the board. So she was, she was annoyed because she had to take all the books out of her classroom. And basically she was like, I have to plan my whole year. And usually she plans, you know, semester by semester. And she's like, I have to plan the books I'm going to read to my students for the whole year. And, um, and then send out like this newsletter, like these are the list. And if any one pen and granted, she teaches all the kids in the whole school. And she's like, if I have one parent, that's like, yeah, I'm not sure about that one particular book. She has to pull the book completely from the curriculum and then choose something else and then wait for parent approval. So she was a little bit miffed about it, but I was also like, I don't know. I see both sides of it, yeah. you know? But again, that sound, that doesn't, to me, like without pulling out the text of the legislation, that just doesn't pass the smell test to me. I don't think that's part of state legislation. I think that's the district overreacting. Being and I want to be clear, we're not talking about like, oh, you guys can't do you guys can't do Scarlet Letter anymore. Nobody's reading Beowulf anymore. <laughs> um, you know, like uh, you, you know, just like my my kid, we're talking about the age level appropriate stuff. Like my kids dig the little blue truck books. I don't know if you're familiar with the little blue truck, but we're homies. Um, they're fun little kids books. No one honestly assessing the situation would have gone, oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Little Blue Truck, uh, you know, would violate these state standards or not. So I have to pull it off. So if you had a book like that on your shelf and you pulled it, you did it to make up. You're punishing the students to make a political point 
because you don't like what you can't teach anymore. Like you're mad about the thing you want to teach those things. Um, and so you can, you can teach those things to kids, those age, you just can't do it here anymore. So if it's mm-hmm. that important to you, deuces. Go to New York. Uh, I mean, Go have fun. the, the information that continues to come out is uh, how we got to a place in society so quick where there's not just universal outrage. The idea of um, uh, a kid can be recognized as another gender while they're at school without the parents' knowledge or notification. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know, public education. It's That's all I got to say, public education. <laughs> the the younger and younger ages that we're seeing um, hormone blockers, that we're seeing actual surgeries and gender reassignment surgeries, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. It's it's criminal. It's and the the number of people the the suicide rates don't improve. And parents are presented with this this false choice of, oh, would you rather have a a dead son or daughter or alive? You know, whatever the opposite gender would be. And just seeing like the mass psychosis behind it all. And I was actually listening to like this is not uncommon. We've seen this with other things, and it actually kind of comes in semi regular waves where. Like this idea of, of some kind of uh, psychological issue kind of captures the public attention and kind of gets into the zeitgeist and where it's something that's very, very limited and rare as it gets more coverage, as it gets more public knowledge, then you see it kind of boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that'll that'll retract and we'll kind of get that figured out and then there'll be something else that comes along. Um, and so like, you know, seeing where, you know, suicide rates don't improve, uh, you know, after gender reassignment and seeing, um, the level of regret, the, the, the pain. I mean, it's just, and in, in people where it's like, they don't even have a fully formed prefrontal cortex. You're, you're going to allow somebody to sacrifice their ability to ever have children when they have no idea. They can't fathom the cost of the decision that they're making. They have no idea yeah. what that means to decide that. Uh, yeah. And so, I, no, that it, not every conversation, where, wherever your your ideology falls, um, we. It, that's where, I, like, I worry about our country because it used to be like we had disagreements, but at the core there were shared values, and we just have less and less shared values, like. We just can't even agree that like not every topic is, is appropriate at every age anymore. Yep. And it's and like, what's, what's wrong for, for some people like you just, and I get, I get that's like, okay, you can't be like you said, we can't be the moral police for everybody because everybody has quote unquote their, their truth. Right. But you know, certain levels of freedom whatever, like you, you, you do you, I'll do me. But like, it's just what, what gets to me though, is just like the amount that it's, it's not, um, it's just pushed at kids. It's pushed at kids earlier and earlier. Um, I saw something on, um, uh, I don't remember what it was, but they were basically, somebody had made a YouTube account as if they were, uh, I want to say a seven-year-old 
they just created this YouTube account and they they made a profile like, okay, I'm a seven-year-old. What are they marketing to a seven-year-old? Like what videos come up to a fresh, like I haven't watched any YouTube videos. Let me just see what, what the algorithm, um, you know, recommends to me. And it was a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, trans, transgender, a lot of things like that. It was a story, you know, drag queen story time. And he's like, I haven't even clicked on a video yet, but these are the videos, like the first three or four videos that he saw. Granted, it could have been during Pride Month, but that's neither here nor there. Like, it's just, I'm like, okay, yes, you do what you want to do as a grown consenting adult. But until then, like, leave the kids alone. Well, and again, you know, you know this kind of cycles us back to chat, chat GPT because like the, the algorithms in the social media platforms and in the streaming platforms where it's not just, can I search and find what I want? It's, Oh, we're going to figure, we're going to learn what you like. And then we'll send you other things. It's not just showing you stuff. It thinks you will like it's showing it stuff, you stuff that will drive your engagement. And absolutely these things are driven by an ideology. And so even like with chat GPT, Regular listeners will know I've kind of been playing around with carnivore diet uh, since uh, um, since I had Colorado craft beef here on the podcast and, and some other stuff. And so some of the people I'm following in that space, uh, one of the the doctors that's in that space was posting from chat GPT. Somebody was asking chat GPT to uh, write an article about the merits of an omnivore based diet. So not even carnivore, just the way we've all eaten for, you know, a long time. Um, and it declined to provide it. Like mm -hmm. it declined to provide information that was knowingly unhealthful, unhealthy, uh, when there's so much information about the, the ability to obtain, obtain all necessary nutrients from a plant-based diet and the health benefits thereof. Um, so programmer or otherwise, here's chat GPT throwing out an ideology. I saw requests for like, uh, hey, basically like write me some content with a positive viewpoint on like Glenn Beck. It would not, it wouldn't produce anything. It, you know, it's like, oh, I, you know, I, basically like I, I won't produce I, whatever it is, you know, won't produce like politically divisive content. But it doesn't do that for every political commentator. Huh. Um, yeah. What is, what is politically divisive? I mean, yeah, just taking a stance on an opinion that's not seen as popular by, I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, wow. So, okay. like, somebody's still programming the machines uh, for, na yeah. for now, um, and that ideology is getting baked in, and, and that includes, you know, the algorithms and stuff right now, and and it's it's a problem. Um you know, and there's some, like, there's a legitimate percentage of the popular, like, it's 2023. People are spying with balloons. <laughs> and there's a segment of the population of the world that legit believes the earth is flat. Because there's a lot of entertaining and well-produced content out there that's available that shy of some decent high school level education will convince you that the earth is flat. 
Have you seen this um, this group? You're probably familiar at least a little bit with it. Is um, birds aren't real? Have you seen that? (laughs) That's what that reminds me of. Like honestly, because I think there are some people part of that group that are like, no, this is a real thing. Birds are not real. (laughs) It's so like. Remember when the internet had like promise? (laughs) When you were like, we're gonna know everything i've been yeah, i've been reading uh this book in january uh forgive me for not remembering the author's name it's called four thousand weeks uh, it's been it was the uh, the book for january for the go Ruck tribe program uh and it's kind of just like a realistic and maybe even fatalist approach to like time management like just mm-hmm. recognizing that you're finite both in the amount of time available to you both like on a daily basis, but in life, like you're going to die. Um, and so just statistically, there are infinitely more things that you would like to do that you'll never get done than the things that you will get done. And you can look at that like on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, you know, decade, lifetime basis. There's just more to know. Like we're book nerds, right? There's, there's just no matter what, I mean, if if you and I and every other book nerd on the planet could somehow um, thrive and subsist without working or doing anything other than reading anymore, if we spent every minute, waking minute reading, we'd still leave exponentially more books unread when we died than read. I hate that. That's the most depressing thing you've ever said to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so... But I mean, that's just it. Like the, the, the scrolling and the whatever, like you are just not going to see it all. We're not going to know it all. You're not going to remember it all. You're not going to do it all. And you can actually be more effective in how you use your time and more fulfilling in how you use and actually less anxious when you realize, oh, I can't get it. No matter how efficient I become, I can't get everything done. It's, it's a literal impossibility so I can stop worrying about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it becomes really more important to identify priorities and realize, you know, okay, like I can only do so much. What do I really want to, what really matters? What do I really want to get done? Um, and so it's, it's been a, a real interesting take, but like, that's the false promise. Like that's the appeal, right? That's the siren song of the internet and the mm-hmm. smartphone and the watch. And Neuralink, which uh, God bless Elon, but it's coming, right? It's like, we're all but bionic right now. Like the the difference between actually being jacked in to the internet, like in our brain with wiring in a chip and what we're all carrying around on us all the time right now is a distinction with no difference. Right. Uh, I mean, it's just that instant acts. Think about how, like how many phone numbers do you have memorized? Like four or five. I know mine. I know my wife's. And oddly enough, I know my great aunt's, which is no longer useful to me. Oh, I know the phone number I had. I remember my phone number before we had to put in the the zip code, yes. or the area code beforehand. Those were the days. Yep. Uh, it and, was just seven so, numbers. And think about, um, you might've missed the window on, on this. Like 10 years might be enough of a difference, but it used to be, like if you asked an adult for directions somewhere, they could give you turn by turn directions with landmarks and street yes. names. 
Mm-hmm. Dude, I couldn't give you street names to get to the other side of my neighborhood, let alone across town, because why would I? Or people would yep. be like, well, you head north here. Freaking which way's north? North? I am not uh, a compass. Dude, if it's yep. noon, if the sun's at its peak, we got a real problem. We got a <laughs> real problem. Um, yeah. and so, but like, why would I? Cause I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna GPS it. It's, it's on my phone. I don't need to know it. Or it's like, Oh, Hey, I wonder about this thing. Well, let's look it up. Cool. But I didn't yeah. learn it. Cause I didn't commit it to memory. Cause I'll just look it up the next time. Um, yeah. you know, and it's that. F- I do remember somebody giving me directions once I was at youth group and we were going to, where did we go? Where did we go after youth group? It was in youth group, uh, ale house. Uh-huh. And someone was trying to tell me how to get there from where we were. And I didn't have a GPS on my phone. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, I can't just run home and print out a map quest. That's stupid. Cause that's what I would do mm-hmm. um, there and back. Cause reverse directions were not a thing in my brain, but they were like, Oh no, you just, and he was trying to like, you know, go North or South or whatever. I'm like left and right, left and right. And now I'm thinking, I'm like, that was the easiest way, but he had to tell me like 12 times, you know, it was like five minutes away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember those days slightly. Um, my dad, he, uh, has his own business and he does a uh, it repair for small businesses. And so, he knows, I, I'm pretty sure he has a map of central Florida in his head. And to this day, he gets mad at me. He's like, you use the GPS for everything. And I'm like, because I don't know where anything is. Um, but anytime like my phone's dead or like, I can't access the GPS for whatever reason, he's the one I reach out to. And I'm like, how do I get here? And he can give me turn by turn directions. He's like, where are you? I'll describe where I am. He's like, yep, I know exactly where you are. Just cause he had to drive everywhere for his yeah. service calls. But yeah, we don't we don't have that skill anymore. It's not a funny. Thing. There's actually there's a whole because Bluey is life. There's a whole episode of Bluey where like <laughs> the the struggle, the hero's journey of the episode is this poor dad who's on his way to pick up his son from preschool and his phone's dead and he doesn't know how to get there. And he's like trying to stop and get directions and use other people's phones and there's not sing, uh, you know, signal and stuff. And so like these are all the things he has to overcome right to to get there and and pick his son up but it's just so real but you know i say all that you know to go back to right like um it's it's all this agenda stuff and our reliance on the machines and you can't like you can't assume that the the stream that the ai whatever is um is indifferent like it has it's not neutral. It's biased. There's an ag- there's an agenda. It's not that. neutral. Yeah. And so and 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 none of it is. And I'm like we kind of know this. Like everybody kind of instinctually knows this now at uh, you know, because of social media, because it's been so divisive, um, and it's divided us rather than connecting us. Like the idea that it's called social media is a little hilarious. Um, because it's so antisocial and there's really nothing social about media. it. We act entirely differently than if we were actually getting together in social settings. Um, there's not that same. But then we know even then, like the algorithms aren't showing. Like we know this. This is proven. Like it's not going, mm-hmm. oh, this is the stuff you like. Let me show you the stuff you like. They're intentionally showing you the stuff that will piss you off because mm-hmm. that actually drives engagement more. You're more likely to forward that. You're more likely to comment that like for sure 
For sure. I will give a solid seven mug. It's no small get. Like I'm not sitting on a pile of these things. I will give a solid seven mug to somebody who can reach out to me with the receipts of a social media exchange where they change somebody's mind about something, where at some point in the conversation, the person with the abusing point bent, uh, uh, viewpoint went, you know what? I, you make some great points. I had this wrong. You, you flipped me. Come to me. That's not why we engage. Come to me with the receipts. No, no, we're all Karens. (laughs) We all just want to yell. We want to show how smart we are and how dumb they are. We want to embarrass them. We want to get a laugh. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's fun. And, and all the time. Tap into a comment war just to kill a few hours. And in the meantime, like we like our neighbors less. We talk to our neighbors less in real life because it's more fun to yell at them online. And the algorithms just, I mean, somewhere in the algorithm, the little AI, to the extent that it can think, is going, wait till I show them this next idiot. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> when you're done with that idiot, I got a bigger idiot for you. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah, chat GPT is out to get us all. I know that's not, now that is the name of just AI in general for me. I've identified it. Yes. It's chat GPT. It's all chat GPT. Because <laughs> it stole my job. Well, then, you know, I guess Microsoft's integrating this with stu- with some stuff. So Amazon and Google are, of course, like in a mad dash to be putting out their own. And um, it's definitely going to, like, I, you know, it's only going to get better. I don't see how it doesn't change the work landscape for sure. Um, we'll just see. We'll just see how effective. But when it when it can talk the same way, like they do this with, you know, the automated chat bots. And it gets closer and closer to where you think you're talking to a, a real person, which is the the OG Turing test, right? Like, can you tell you're not talking? Can you tell you're talking to a machine or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we're not very far off from then just applying voice to it, too. Like, forget script writing. Like, forget kind of your, you know, part of your medium. You You can get fully fake generated AI, like presenter on the screen reading the content it's not a real person it's not a real voice we're gonna get ai ted talks and it's it's and all this because we wanted to be able to de-age harrison ford for indiana jones (laughs) yep this is what started it all yeah i did see something cool though um i i want to say it was on instagram um where they're able to take um dubbing like they're able to take an actor's face and like they'll you know if they're cursing up a storm and they're trying to make it pg they can change the um mouth flaps to match and then of course the voice is the same you know the whole thing they can change their vocal expression their tone their facial expression like the whole thing using ai to basically change the language or change words, change whole sentences. Like basically the actor doesn't even have to do anything because AI will just write over their whole face. And and it looks great. Like it looked it looked really flawless, the three-second clip that I saw. Yeah. She spoke like three different languages. She said the same line, once with cursing, once without cursing, and then in two separate languages. And it was seamless. It was it was pretty cool. You're a, a lover of the English language. What what differentiates between cursing and cussing? 
Um, it's the same. I think cussing is just a little more ghetto. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Real judgment. Yeah, real judgmental there with it. Real fast. Okay. All right. <laughs> Got some cuss words of my own going through my head. Some now. cuss words. <laughs> oh, I... And I didn't know there was a difference once until I was in, I don't even know where I was, uh, middle school. Definitely this was a middle school core memory. And I said something about, man, he's cussing. And they were like, he's what? And they laughed at me. But they were all like New Eurekan kids. And I'm like, what do you say? Like swearing? I don't, I don't know. That's just what I grew up saying. Yeah. And I just remember getting singled out and made fun of for saying he's cussing. And I still don't know what I said wrong. Yeah. But then I realized, oh, cursing, swearing, cussing. Yeah. It's the same thing. So then you cussed him out. Yeah, naturally. Yeah. As one does. <laughs> uh, well, have you ever seen um, that movie, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox? I have not. Oh, my gosh. Wes Anderson. Such a great movie. It's a, it's very dry, but it's just so great. It's a very specific brand of, of humor. But uh, the main character in that movie, Mr. Fox, he cusses, but he uses the word cuss. Okay. So he'll say, like, the cuss you are, and then the cuss am I. And it's just so great. I love the way that they use it. And it's so, again, very seamless. I... And you're like, did he just... Just here's a phenomenal callback. You, man, you don't get this from lesser podcasts, but I just had <laughs> such strong memory recall of the episode of SpongeBob where they're cussing and it's all being bleeped. Yes. It's all being beeped, bleeped with dolphin sounds. Dolphin noises. And yes, it's like the OG unnecessary censorship bit, and it's some of the funniest animation I've ever seen in my entire life. Like belly laugh hurt if you haven't ever seen it you've got to watch the spongebob cussing episode um <laughs> turn off that's probably one of my favorites stop doom scrolling talk to your neighbor and invite them over to watch with you and share a laugh in real life with some people oh my gosh <laughs> i love that they call it though i don't know if you remember what they called cursing or curse words um, they were like, hey, what did he say? He said, those are my, my sentence enhancers. <laughs> you just sprinkle <laughs> them on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know, what's funny in, in real life, um, Tony Robbins, which I get that Tony Robbins is kind of a divisive person. Uh, but he actually talks about like, if you watch, there was the documentary, I think it's on new on Netflix about him. Like I'm not your guru. And uh, you, you know, like you watch him at one of his events when he's, you know, he, he keeps it buttoned down. He's sharp. He's a pro. Like when he's, uh, you know, doing an interview and on TV and stuff, he's pretty toned down. But at his events, there's, there's a lot of coarse language. I actually wouldn't call it gratuitous, but he talks about intentionally using it, um, to shock and snap people like out of, I mean, you think how often you you can just zone out, particularly now with the phones and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. to snatch attention. So it, it was interesting to hear him actually eloquently and intelligently, and this isn't me encouraging you to start using, uh, you know, um, enhancers in your, in your, in your everyday <laughs> conversation. Uh, but to hear somebody talk about it, who like, whatever you think about Tony Robbins, he's an intelligent dude and he's an incredible uh, orator and public speaker um, to, to speak about using that kind of coarse language with great intent was, is very, very interesting. I think that might actually be, um, in that, uh, 
in that documentary that he kind of breaks that down. You know who isn't so great about using language intentionally? Or maybe he is, and he's just playing 4D chess, and the rest of us are just morons. Um, but my good buddy Elon. Uh, oh, just, good old Elon. Um, you know, I, I a lot of times, I think Elon's very much my brand of humor. And so I think like he's just so dry and it's so nerdy and he's got that little bit of Asperger's spectrum going on or whatever. And that like, there's just, there's just a, clearly a percentage of the population that just either can't get the joke or doesn't want to get the joke uh, or doesn't appreciate the joke. So it annoys me when there's the disingenuous stuff. Um, you know, when it's like that, clearly that was, that was joking. Um, but he was, Oh, like this whole lawsuit. Well, that one where at least according to the jury of his peers, as they decided today, as we're recording, um, wasn't a joke. So Elon got hauled into court because people just see him as a giant money pinata at this point. I mean, it's, he's one of the richest men in the world, if not the right. So isn't with, that basically what he is? With uh, Tesla stock down, I don't know where he ranks. He's still very rich, but he's lost, I don't know, like $200 billion or something. Like he's lost, at this point, he's lost a bigger fortune than anyone in written history, which is insane. And he's still <laughs> That's a record wildly in rich. And he's still pretty wealthy. And Tesla will come back and he'll be, he'll be the richest man again. 100%. I believe that. But uh, this uh, is not to be construed as investment advice. Investing is basically gambling and you do so at your own risk. Um, so, um, but he got hauled into court because um, Tesla, a, per a percentage, a portion of Tesla shareholders wanted to take him to court because there was a point where he tweeted out, like, considering mm -hmm. taking Tesla private at 420 per share, funding secured. And mm -hmm. he gets in trouble. Like the SEC loves to rake Elon over the coals for statements like this. Um, but they thought because he's prone to making jokes around numbers like 420 and 69 and whatever, like there's a very much a basically a middle schooler. Yeah. There's a, there's still. a middle school boy deep inside that giant brain uh, of his. And so they were like, and like the stock stock went down because of that. It's crazy the way Elon can move markets with tweets like that's insane. Um, but so they hauled him into court because like, Oh, we lost all this value in our Tesla stock because he said that whatever. I'm like, if you just stuck with it now, it's back, it's down now, but it went way, way up. So you didn't, unless you sold, you weren't, you didn't lose any value at all. Um, but then come to find out, he's like, no, I get the 420 thing. That number was literally a 20% premium over what the stock was trading at at the time. Like, and had been in conversations um, about funding to take it private. So I was like, no, that was, that was legit. Also, right. can we all just stop freaking out over things people put on Twitter? <laughs> like, so, but uh, Elon, not, uh, not guilty today. Yeah. So good for yeah, him. Yeah, no, no, today. That, yeah. was, that was recent. So, I did see that. Nice to see um, that he can get back to, you know, saying? like changing the world. Yeah. Yeah. Now we can go back to Mars and implanting chips in people's brains and Tesla and all, all of the above. Yes. Um, but no, what you're saying reminds me of another video I saw. See, I took a, I took a nice long break from Instagram for a while, um, which is why it's the only reason and schedule this show. Yeah. It's the only reason I, I actually have your phone number now. Yeah, now we're real friends. Yes. So 
You're welcome. So I was on a break. I am off my Instagram break. So now I'm just like, oh, I saw this on Instagram and I saw this and this. It's really an addiction. It's really bad. Speaking of algorithms and AI and all the above. But um, this girl went off on this tangent. It's my new favorite video on the internet where um, she said, man, these guys, they're tweeting about how they don't like this girl's makeup or they don't like whatever. She's like, men used to build houses. But the way she says it is just, she's like, shouldn't you be building a house? Shouldn't you be lost at sea? Shouldn't you be writing a script? Cause Shakespeare's dead. Like, are you coming back? Who's going to be the next Shakespeare? Yeah. Men used to do sculptures. Like um, she they used to sculpt things. The Sistine Chapel men. She's like, men, this is your bag. Go build a house. Yeah. Don't worry about what I'm doing with my face. But the way that she said it was just, Oh man, it was gold. And she had so many solid points. And now I've, I I want to figure out how to make that like a comeback. Yeah. When, I, when someone gets <laughs> sassy on Twitter and like, well, shouldn't you be building a house? That though? was one of my favorite uh, comments with the video that was making around the rounds of that, that poor kid who just like had been set up for failure in life, having his emotional breakdown in the back of the Starbucks. Starbucks. Because working there was just so hard and unfair and whatever. And just like immediate responses. We used to win wars. <laughs> we used to go to battle and we used to win wars. We used to go to war. Yep. In, the, in this, I'm like, bro, bro. Hey, if it's as bad and as hard as you really say it is, leave homie. Go yep. get. Somebody else's. You were looking for a job when you found that one. Go find another one. Go, go try again, man. Dude, if that was legitimately the situation at that Starbucks, I would be the unit manager inside of like three weeks. Yeah. You flip the switch from whining about all the works and the shifts to picking up every available minute. What do you need covered? You need me to open? You want me to close too? You need me to stick around extra? Somebody else called in? I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I know you got this person that keeps calling out. I've got this super reliable buddy. I'll bring him in. You need to meet him. Uh, me and, uh, you know, Dr. Ryan Banting, who's been on here a long time. We've been friends for a long time. We've talked about it. Like we've really never understood being unemployed for an extended period of time. Cause we've both worked some really crappy jobs in our lives. Like there was a period of time I worked for, uh, now, what the uh, PC terminology is, the lines division for a municipality, um, it's water and sewer. Like, I worked with water and sewer pipes. Um, I've, I've laid sewer pipe. I've repaired sewer pipe. I've cleaned lift stations. There was not a point the entire time I worked there where there were not openings in the department. And uh, Dr. Banting and I, we've often said, like, if we couldn't find work anywhere else, like, go to... McDonald's, go to Taco Bell, go wherever and look for somebody who hates being there and is phoning it in and say, I'll, I'll find the manager and go, you're paying, give me what you're paying them. I'll work circles around them. I'll start for, I'll work for free. Let me start for free and show you. I will, I will work circles around them for what you're paying them. Like you just don't like, it's just not that, that hard. I'd run, I'd run that Starbucks. Becomes kale Starbucks. If, now I did hear from somebody who is a star, used to be a Starbucks barista, um, and it wasn't in reference to this video at all. But he was just like, "Man, they had you on the second you got in there. You were on your feet for eight hours. People yelling at you all the time." He said it was a lot tougher than he imagined it would be. He was yeah. like, "I'm making coffee, bro. 
Like, it's not that serious. However, he was like, I got stressed. It wasn't an easy job by any stretch of the, like he was like, it was harder. Yeah. It, it was work. However, you're right. We used to, we used to build things. Yeah. <laughs> at, well, war. at the same time, there's some, there's some poor woman with her kid on the ball uh, on her back digging cobalt. So mm-hmm. is it that hard? Mm-hmm. Are you running a, are you running a shovel all day? So yeah, harder, like not work's not supposed to be easy. Like nobody ever said right. it was going to be easy. Uh, it, it's, we used to win wars. We should go build a house. <laughs> right. And then her, the, I think the, the thing that set me off to, to think of that video was she was like, there was a whole portion of the video when she goes, you out here tweeting multi-tweet tweets, bro. Like, go write a script. Yes. But it was the multi-tweet tweets that got me. Because I was like, yeah, man, everybody's on a Twitter thread nowadays. Like, let me just go off. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Like, you're you're literally shouting into the void. That is that is what you're doing. And recording it. Well, and, you know, I always have this love-hate um, relationship with the social media, right? Because... The social media. I, we all know I hate it. I recognize the issues with it. I don't think it's great for society. I'm also, um, as much as I don't like any of this terminology, um, I'm a commentator. I'm a content creator, right? And it's like, I feel some obligation to be involved in these things at some point because they are also, it is like for all the negative it's an incredible news aggregator and source of information, whatever. And it's like, um, you know, I, I come on here and talk about what's going on in the world, right. That interests me or interests you. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, uh, if I'm off everything, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Um, I just don't know that my own personal daily experiences or what book I happen to be reading at the time is going to carry the podcast. You but then I also to the Orlando Sentinel, like a little, how dare you, madam? Uh, but then like a little <laughs> bit of me dies inside every time I'm like, you know, I saw this gif. I saw this, I saw this meme. I saw this reel. Yeah. Um, which the fact that I'm like relaying memes and gifs and not reels and stories dates me in and of itself. I'm just going <laughs> to go back to MySpace. We're um, saying I saw this Instagram versus I saw this TikTok. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. You know, I like to use it to try to, as much as possible, like drive more legit uh, interaction. Like I do think not because I'm a podcaster, I'm a podcaster in part because I'm such a fan of podcasts. Like I do like that interaction, particularly if you're listening to long form podcasts, you do get to know the host, you do get to know the guests. I think that's uh, a healthy interaction, a healthier consumption of information than the, these quick little dopamine hits uh, from, from social media. And I do, that's why I do like to push things, um, like, like go rock, like, yeah, this is all nice, but go meet people, go do things with people in real life. Like throw some weight on your back and go for a rock. Come meet us at a, at a go rock event. Uh, you want to build some real relationships, do hard things together with people like actual hard things. Um, you know, and so it's it's part of why I'm such a big fan of that, and part of what we what we lack so much in society, and why like we've removed so much struggle from life that like working a long shift at a coffee shop becomes this major hurdle, right? Mm-hmm. 
So it's like add, you know, add a little, add some actual hard things back in, gain, gain perspective. And at least like, you know, maybe you'll figure out, oh, well, uh, I can do some really hard things. One of which would be like finding another job that I, there's a whole side conversation I'm, I'm fighting having there because like Starbucks really has, I think made a massive mistake in their pivot to like their stick was always, we want to be the third place. Like everybody's got home, they've got work. We want to be the third place. Mm-hmm. Used to be, you go, you'd get a cup of coffee there, you know, for a long time, like me and a buddy of mine, we got coffee once or twice a week at the same one. They knew us by name. They'd comp our coffees every so often. They knew our orders. We'd hang out and chill. You know, who talks to a barista? Like what? I order from my phone. Yeah. What kind of sucker hasn't ordered before they even walk in or pull into the drive-thru? You're certainly not sitting there and like actually sharing a cup of coffee and a conversation. If you're inside Starbucks and you're not actively working on your computer, what kind of loser are you? Reminds me of the old Brian Regan bit of walking by people in first class. I'm like, I'm making money right now. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's like I, that that pivot for them, that impersonal, like you can snag a coffee from anywhere. You guys had a different thing going on. I'm okay with it mm-hmm. because uh, I'd love to see uh, Black Rifle become the major player in the coffee space instead of Starbucks. I'm okay with that. And their uh, retail locations look amazing. Um, Andy Stumpf, I think, is about to open his, and I want to say it's Kalispell or something. I really want to, I haven't looked into it, but man, if I was going to do something other than this and the other things I'm doing, man, opening a Black Rifle Coffee franchise could be fire. And, yeah, the coffee uh, shop has always been one of, one of the things. I looked into it with a, I've looked into it a couple times yeah. with some friends, you know, serial entrepreneur that I am. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this could, this could sell. There's this coffee shop that I go to. It's a little, it's a ways from me now um, that I've moved, but I still make the sometimes 35, 40 minute drive out there just because I love the atmosphere. It's more like a co working space, but you just walk in really big, well lit. Staff is super friendly. Like, I know them by name. They know me. I've tried everything on the menu. Um, it's just a great place to go and be and work and chill. Um, I hate using the word vibes, but the vibes are excellent. Yeah. And um, you just don't find places like that versus there's three Starbucks within 10 minute driving distance from me. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go there. I want to go to my, my other place. Yeah. You know, and it's local, but yeah, you're right. They used to, they used to, they used to build things. Yeah. Sorry, my dog's going crazy <laughs> right now. Uh, no, wouldn't, wouldn't have it any other way. So, uh, well, I think, I think we've, I think we've done it. I think we put another one in the can here. I can't grump about anything else. <laughs> every, every time I'm like, I want to, I want to be funny. I want to be happy. Um, cause I haven't had like a good show or movie to talk about recently. Maybe I'm just getting, getting grumpier in my old age. You're not old though. You were grumping right along with me. So, I'm just not always been old in my heart, though, Kale. There, there is that. There's, I think you know this. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, well, let's let's, let's not close on that note. Let's bring some positive, and we haven't done some nerd stuff for a while. Um, SpaceX, despite Elon's many distractions, uh, turns out he can walk and chew gum at the same time, is getting real close to like a full orbital launch of Starship. Don't know how much we've talked about this when you've been on the podcast before. Um, this thing's just, just massive. It's just insane. 
the booster alone, the, the, the first stage, the booster alone is taller than a Falcon 9 rocket that they launch all the, they just actually had their 200th successful launch of the Falcon 9. And I can't even remember how many recoveries now. Um, it's got a, the engines that are on it, the Raptor engines that they've built for this are more powerful than the Merlins that they, they fly on the Raptor 9s. There's 33 of them on the booster. There's, that's two threes, a three and then another three of these. <laughs> it's just an insanely massive rocket. The mass to orbit that this thing can pull off is unbelievable. So it looks like maybe this week, as you are listening to this at the earliest, they're going to do their first like full test fire of all 33 engines on the booster. Uh, and then after that, it's just not that big a leap to like a full orbital test of this thing. So this is the one where they were already testing the, the second stage, the star, like it's funny, the whole thing is called starship and the second stage that will carry passengers and cargo and all that is also called starship. So it can get a little confusing. Um, but that's the one they were already testing where they were launching up to like 10, 12,000, uh, feet kilometers freaking, I don't know, but then they would like belly flop it, let it drift down and then stand it back up and land it. And it looked like complete sci-fi. So this is that same ship, but they're going to recover like right now, Falcon nines, they recover the booster, but the rest of it's still expended. Uh, they get the fairing, mm -hmm. they get the fairings back, the part that encloses the cargo, but the, the rest is expended. Starship is going to be completely reusable. So that big giant booster is going to come back and not only is it going to land, but they're going to catch it with arms that are on the launch tower. They're going to, they're going to catch it. Uh, and then the second stage starship is still going to come back and do its little belly flop maneuver and then land. And it's just mind boggling. And I couldn't be giddier because they've <laughs> almost completed their second launch tower for that. They've been doing all this in Boca Chica, right outside of Brownsville in Texas on the coast. Uh, but the plan is to be launching these from Kennedy, which is of course very close to where you and I are located here in central Florida. And they've mm -hmm. already almost completed the starship launch tower um, out at, I, I think it's pad 39 a. So it's one of the, the uh, former shuttle launch pads. Uh, out at Kennedy and like just to see this thing next to the normal launch pad that's being used for Falcon nines and Falcon heavy. It just dwarfs them because again, giant, giant rocket. And I just can't wait to see this thing launch. Um, starships will like with the new missions to the moon starship was selected as the initial lander. So even though, the astronauts will get to the moon in the Orion capsule launched on a very expensive SLS. They'll actually transfer to a starship that's designed just to land on the moon. Um, it's just, it's just crazy. It's, it's freaking sci-fi and to see how fast they've developed it and iterated it and that they're getting real close to a full launch is awesome. So that's, that's got me really giddy about space now right I'm like, now. man, I haven't been to the Kennedy Space Center in a minute, and now I want to go see it. Oh, listen, listen. If you're in Central Florida, which many of our listeners are, if you haven't been like since middle school or something as a kid, go. Uh, it's amazing. Go for a launch. Go if there's no launch. It's just incredible all the way around. 
Um, it, you know, Space Shuttle Atlantis is out there, and they knocked that whole exhibit out of the park. Everything about that's cool. You can still see um, a Saturn V, like full-size Saturn V um, out there. They just opened a new exhibit called Gateway, which is more about the stuff we're doing now, the stuff we're doing in the future. There's a full flown Falcon 9 booster inside of Gateway. This is all secondary to the Rocket mm -hmm. Garden that's already out there. Like there's so many uh, countries in the world that haven't ever achieved orbital space flight. And we just have a spare rocket garden. We're like, yeah, we use them for, it's just, uh, it's just. It's decoration. Yeah. It's so cool. There's so much neat stuff out there and experience like a, a rocket launch is, is kind of like a NASCAR race. Like it's really hard to comprehend how truly impressive it is until you're there. Like until you feel it and hear it. And we've been lucky enough for the longest time, they hadn't done any of the Falcon heavy launches. Um, they did a couple and then there was really a dry spell. Well, there's like five scheduled for this year. Um, and there's been two here recently already, and they were both returned to landing site launches. So the boosters were coming all the way back to the Cape rather than landing on drone right. ships. So if anybody was, has ever experienced a shuttle landing, uh, Floridians were very familiar with, you'd get these dual sonic booms. Like it rattle mm -hmm. your house as the shuttle came in. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's, it's kind of... the mess out of me as a child. Yes. And so it's kind of <laughs> been missing though, right? Like without landings, we haven't gotten that experience. Well... When the Falcon 9 boosters, whether they're, it's flown as a Falcon 9 or a Falcon Heavy, when it's a return to launch site landing, when they're coming back to the Cape, you get dual sonic booms off those boosters. So then when it's Falcon Heavy and it's two boosters landing simultaneously, then you get dual sonic booms off of both of them. Okay. Um, and so it's cool to watch the streams. It's cool to watch the videos. But, man, there's something different about being there. It's really hard for me to fight the urge to try to fly into Brownsville and be in Texas for the first like full starship stack orbital launch. Cause it's just going to be, um, it's just going to be something, I mean, 100% historic. Like it's absolutely on par, um, with like watching the development of Saturn five and watching those old videos and watching the magic of those, those launches. I actually saw somebody take shots cause they had, and in doing their testing, they had a full stack on the launch pad. So they had this giant booster with starship on top of it, full starship stack, which I can't even remember how tall it stands. It's taller than SLS. It's taller than our new moon rocket. Mm -hmm. um, but somebody actually had vintage film. That is the film that like the, the, like the iconic pictures of the Saturn five on the pad during the launches were used mm -hmm. and like oh, wow. shot, shot this stack of starship with that film that's somehow still good and usable. And there's just something like you could take the digital picture and you could try and put those effects and stuff on it, but there's just something different and uh, it's vibes. It's fun. Not unlike the coffee shop, it's vibes. Uh, <laughs> so just crazy excited. I actually, uh, I, I like to tease the listeners. Some of the things I feel bad because there's some things that have been in the works and I've had some contacts and I'm like, ah, I think I'm going to get this person or I think this is coming. Uh, and some of that stuff just hasn't come to fruition yet. Maybe I need to stop teasing this stuff or maybe I just need to put it out there more. No, no, you need to say it and manifest, Kale. I, That's what you do in 2023. I got a uh, an introduction today to somebody who like firsthand uh, works on the Orion capsule program uh, and seems like it's probably down to come on the podcast, which would be our first like legit, legit. aerospace professional guest. Um, 
Will I have to hope that they haven't heard any of the episodes where I've said that SLS is a giant boondoggle and should be canceled? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to cross our we're gonna have to cross <laughs> our fingers a little bit. You, they though. might, he, they they, they might. might not have any say in so, design unless they are the designer. I'll tell you this: as cool as that is, and exciting as that is, um, this one I'm gonna be a little more coy about. I'll tell you this one off air as a as a former co-host of the podcast. Um, but a, a, another, uh, handoff, uh, introduction today, uh, to somebody who, uh, if, if, if it'll come through, I, I would be really excited to, to have come on the podcast and I'll be a little bit more coy about this one, but some big episodes coming up. Uh, this is episode 97, yeah, which means we're only we're a few weeks away from episode 100. Um, uh, got, nice. got a big guest, got a big, not a, uh, a return guest, one of our one of the biggest guests we've had, most listened to episodes uh, in the history of Solid Seven podcast, is making a return appearance for episode mm. one hundred. Trying to think. So that's coming, and then not uh, just a few weeks after that, end of March is our two year anniversary. So oh, trying, no. yeah, trying to put something cool together for for that too. So fun things, exciting things. In the works here at the podcast. Um, Not a lot of podcasts make it to 100 episodes, Kale. That's that's, that's, that's the big. yeah. You got to be a real sadist. <laughs> Either got to be that chick from Call Her Daddy, or you got to be a a real sadist. <laughs> so just holding out for my my bar stool deal, I guess. So yeah, excited that's about awesome. it. I started something today. Here's what I'm trying, listeners. Hold me accountable to this. All right talk about this all the time. I talk about this a lot when, and yes, I started to close the podcast 15 minutes ago. It's what we do here. Uh, cool. but this cool. often comes up both behind the scenes and in front of the scenes when Alex is on, um, you know, I don't make good use of social media. I just don't, um, should I don't. Here's what I'm thinking is something tolerable that I can do that I think would gain the social media more traction is I'm going to try and do maybe maybe daily, but certainly more frequently, I'm just going to pop on live and sound off on something that's caught my attention that day. I think that'd be fun. And, you know, then that stuff will likely often inform kind of whatever, whatever I'm going to talk about, not exclusively, but with that week's guest. So just, Hey, a here's little, like here, a little preview. Yeah. Hey, here's this like today. Uh, I actually did it today, and then I realized I said something just, I misspeak on the podcast all the time. I mean, it's a lot of content. That's going to happen. Uh, but I just said something really stupid in the one I did today, which I refer to myself as Gen Z instead of Gen X. <laughs> um, that's, a, that's, that's fantastic. I, del- I just got an image of you as Gen Z, Yeah, and I can't get it out of my head. I, I deleted it before anybody viewed it. So it was out there for a little bit, but, uh, but nobody saw it, but, uh, I was actually, I was popping off about the balloon, but stuff like that, or Elon not being any of the stuff we talked about today would have been like, I could have popped on when those stories broke and been like, Hey, here's this. And, uh, we'll probably talk Please about tell it. Me you told me you were popping off about the balloon and you'd said that on purpose. Cause that was, that was great. That was wouldn't, great wouldn't it be phenomenal if I was that <laughs> clever? I love that. I do like float that. If, if that sucker floats on down to Florida, um, I'm not saying I definitely like to take a shot at it or that I definitely will. I'm also not, not saying that, 
Uh, I think it would, I mean, I, I, I am, like, Kale. obviously that's illegal. And obviously I'm definitely, <laughs> certainly not going to do that. Um, but at some point, somebody's going to try, never mind the impossible ballistics of uh, hitting that thing from the ground with a privately owned firearm at 60,000 feet. But uh, still, <laughs> say that you tried. Still, it'd still be nice to point the old Red Rider BB gun that direction <laughs> and uh, let China know what's up. So, well, Alex, it's been lovely as always. Been good. Always a treat. Been fun. Always a pleasure. Um, still no finished book. It's whatever. It's in the works. We move it along. Can't rush the process. You know, maybe I'll just plug it into chat, chat GPT and let it let it finish. finish for me. Hey, read all this and finish it in this style for me. <laughs> Actually, it's it's been in the editing process for uh, almost three years now. So just be like, hey, edit this book. Yeah. I'm done. But how infuriating would it be if it was fantastic? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I would still take all the credit. Oh, gosh. Oh, Alex, we love you. Appreciate you. Listeners, we love and appreciate you. Without whom, none of this would really be worthwhile. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us. If you haven't already, stop by the website, solid7podcast.com, solid, the number seven podcast.com, where you can always find links to the latest episodes, like the one you've just listened to. You can find links to all of our affiliate and ambassador programs. So you can go and support Origin USA, Jocko Fuel, Go Ruck, Tuttle Twins, uh, and um, you know, support yourself at the same time. You're gonna be happy with anything you get from any of those companies. You're gonna be better for it, and uh, they'll throw the podcast a little support when you do it. You can find upcoming events like Sandlot Jacks coming up again here uh, at the end of April. Uh, three-day fitness festival. We'll be out there again. We'd love to have you come out and join us for that. So there's a link there, all kinds of good causes. And of course, links to the social media and whatnot are on there. Something new. Talked about this last week. If you made it to the end of the podcast, uh, there's now a 14-day free trial on the solid 10 level of our Patreon. So if you want to check that out, you can listen to the back catalog of bonus content. Uh, if Riverside works, you can listen to uh, an episode live, <laughs> but you can do all that free for 14 days now at the $10 level. So go in and check out Patreon and uh, get yourself a, a better than uh, average coffee mug from which you can drink your Jocko Ghost. doesn't just have to be coffee. Uh, and uh, get yourself some, some bonus content, support the podcast, all this awesome. But if you don't want to do any of that, uh, do me the small favor of whatever app you're listening on right now, Click follow, click subscribe, give us a thumbs up, a little five-star rating, a little review. Uh, all that stuff helps those evil, evil algorithms learn mm -hmm. to tell more people about us and uh, point more people our way. And uh, with that, that's, that's all I got. For now, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to look for balloons. Let's <laughs> see what I see. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, everyone. <laughs> that's... That's the way the cookie crumbles. How many Jim Carrey quotes can we close with? Alex, you're the best. Listeners, we love you. We'll see you next week. We're out. Peace. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces Way of Life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. 
Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events. And a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Mm-hmm.